Hello, I'm Alina. Hello, I'm Janine. We're two sisters, two PhDs, relentlessly curious about too many things. This is Sister Doctor Squared. Hello, Squares. Welcome to episode 11 of Sister Doctor Squared. Yes, welcome everyone. Hope you're doing well. As always, we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we're recording this episode and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. So, Janine, after our last episode on whales and cancer, in which we also talked about magical eraser pens... One of our listeners got in touch. Janine, what did she have to say? Yes, shout out to Dwan who got in touch. Now, Dwan's sister is a teacher and her school has actually banned erasable pens for staff. And this is because a teacher marked a whole pile of assessment using an erasable pen, (laughs) but then left all of the papers in her hot car. And when she got back, all of the work was erased. Oh, absolutely love it. Yes, this... Definitely makes sense having the ban in place for those sorts of things. I would personally be absolutely devastated if papers I'd marked had all been erased. That's nightmarish. I think one needs to understand that when it comes to eraser pens, with great power comes great responsibility. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well, thanks, Dwan. That is a nice follow-up to our episode. So this episode, we're getting into a really cool topic. Janine, tell us what it's about. Look, I've always been really interested in the whole idea of time. Like, what is time? And recently I had to have a medical procedure which involved fasting. And once I was at the hospital, you know, all I want is for this thing to be done and dusted. But I had to wait around two hours until I was taken in. But it honestly felt more like eight hours. And I know you, Alina, and listeners out there will know what I'm talking about. How is it possible that we experience time differently in different situations or differently from one another or even differently just from day to day? How is it possible that our sense of time can become distorted? Absolutely. It's like, Everyone experiences distortion of time at some point, you know, that Mm. feeling of, say, this day is dragging. Mm. So it's not a new thing, but it is quite fascinating to get into how this happens, what's going on when time feels like it's moving fast or moving slow. So that's what we want to get into this episode. So to start, I'm going to tell you about a study by Professor Peter Ulrich C and colleagues from back in 2004. So it's now a fairly old study, but it is some of the seminal laboratory-based research in this field. So by that, I mean research done in a highly controlled environment. In this paper, they talk about time's subjective expansion. And an example of this is when people go through some sort of fast but dangerous or threatening event, like a car accident, and they say that things moved in slow motion. Mm. that time really slowed down. And the authors studied this expansion of time in the lab to try to work out what's going on. Why Mm -hmm. does time feel like it's moving slower or faster than the objective passage of time? They did a series of experiments with students using what's called the oddball paradigm. This is an experimental design used in psychology research where participants are shown a series of things or stimuli on repeat say, shapes on a computer screen. But every 
so often the repeated stimulus is interrupted by something different. That's called the oddball. And often they'll measure participants' reaction time, so how long it takes for participants to detect that they saw something different. In this paper, they tested visual and auditory stimuli. In one example, the standard stimulus was a static black solid circle. So participants are looking at this plain black circle on repeat and then every so often in comes an expanding black circle, so one that's Ah. growing bigger on screen. This is the oddball. Mm -hmm. But rather than measuring reaction time, participants were asked to say for how long they felt like the oddball was shown on screen relative to the standard stimulus. Was the oddball longer or shorter in duration? And what they generally saw was that even though the oddball was shown for the same amount of time as the standard stimuli, people feel like the oddball was shown for a longer amount of time than the standard Mm. stimuli. Now, what this seems to be about is attention. The oddball appears to last longer than a standard stimulus because when we see the oddball, all of a sudden there's an increase in information for the brain to process. Mm -hmm. The brain needs to do more cognitive processing both to understand what's going on and to create memories. Now, when the oddball appears, we're not paying as much attention to how much time has passed. So we lose time cues. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, the brain has done all this cognitive work, which creates the illusion of more time having passed than it really did. And this effect can explain why dangerous or traumatic events can feel like they happened in slow motion. What do you think, Janine? It makes sense, doesn't it? Thank you. You explained that really, really clearly. I think that it can be quite complicated to think through, but it does make sense. So I'll leave that study there, but I will put up a link to the website to an article that we found called Why Time Feels So Weird in 2020. Oh, yeah, that's great. I love that article. Yes, you shared this one with me, Janine, and Mm. it actually shows, it helps to demonstrate this effect with some interactive experiments that you can do on screen. So we'll Put that up and you can have a look. As I said, this is some of the controlled lab-based research looking at attention and how it affects people's perception of time. But time perception really is complex and there's a lot of things that can affect how we perceive time. Some of these things include altered states of consciousness, of course, think of sleep, or altered consciousness due to medical anaesthetics like Janine went through recently, or even due to the effect of illicit drugs. Cognitive load is another one, so how much is swimming around in your brain at once? Then the kind of task you're doing. When doing repetitive, familiar tasks, time feels slow. Yes. As you know, I've been volunteering at the Brisbane Vaccination Hub in South Mm -hmm. Bank, and... My job for my Saturday morning last weekend was I had the clicker in my hand and I had to welcome people in and direct people into a lane to go to and also count who mm-hmm. were the walk-ins because we started doing walk-ins. As oh, you know. yes. So are you a walk-in? Click. And doing this for hours on end, it just <laughs> really dragged. <laughs> it really dragged. But I'm very happy to help, of course, but it really dragged and I felt like... I'd look at my watch and it felt like I think at least half an hour has passed and it wouldn't have even been 10 minutes. So there we go. And incidentally, Janine, you were there. 
coming to get your second dose of your vaccination. Yep, that was very exciting. And, yeah, there... We need some cheer music. I'll try and organise that. Well, what was really cool (laughs) was that they had some speakers up the front and they had some Run DMC playing and all these nurses and paramedics were having a little rave party up the front. There you go. It It was great fun. Love it. Shout out to all the healthcare workers and volunteers helping vaccinate yes, everybody. Absolutely. So, yes, the kind of task you're doing uh, when doing more challenging and stimulating tasks, time passes more quickly. That sense of losing track of time mm. or getting into the flow or getting into the zone. Janine, I think we've got another episode on yes, that. Yes, definitely. On the books coming. But then it gets even more complex and there can be confounding effects. So if we are doing a repetitive and boring task, but we have a tight deadline, yes, time can feel fast, That's can't right. it? Yep, I can relate to that as well. <laughs> it's delightful. <laughs> Feeling very stressed. <laughs> yes, this is where you want time to slow down, yeah. but it never does. No. It never does. <laughs> Interestingly, age is also a factor. Mm-hmm. So the older we get the faster the years seem to go by. Mm -hmm. Emotional state is another one. Mm -hmm. We all know that saying, time flies when you're having fun. Yes. And studies have shown that time feels faster when we are more stimulated and in a happier mood. Mm -hmm. So that feeling of time flying by may actually lead us to feel happy as we recognise that we are having a good time. Yes. That's interesting. Yes, it could go the other way, couldn't it? That's interesting. That's right. And the opposite is also true. So when there is little stimulation, when we are bored, when we are feeling down or depressed, time can really crawl by very slowly. And that makes sense. When I was lying in a hospital bed, starving, tired, (laughs) and I was literally, they have a clock on the wall and I'm just staring at it like, please, please hurry up. (laughs) It really did feel like eight hours. Yes, a very slow eight hours. Mm -hmm. And... Another one here that's super interesting is childbirth. Now, during childbirth, people can completely lose sense of time. And there is some research showing that women can feel this altered or suspended sense of time during childbirth. Yes. So again, I can relate to this. So when I had my boy, the birth was around eight hours, but I vividly remember going in quite early in the morning And then once he was born, looking up and seeing that it was dark outside Mm -hmm. and being really confused, going, what what time is it? And you all went, oh, it's, you know, quarter to five. Like, what? So that eight hours honestly felt more like around two. Yes. It didn't feel like nothing, but it did not, absolutely did not feel like eight hours, which I think is a good thing. (laughs) Yes. Well, I was there. I did not give birth to a child, but I was there. Yes. And I, for me as well, it did not feel like an entire day. Oh, that's interesting. No way. It absolutely didn't mm. feel like an entire day. I remember that things started early in the morning and mm-hmm. we made our way fairly early in the morning. Mm-hmm. But I, it seemed like it was all, you know, he was born by lunchtime maybe. But in reality, yeah. it was in the evening. Yeah. Super interesting. Now, Janine is going to... Go a little deeper into all of these different factors that can affect time perception with her next study. In researching this episode, I found a really topical and very recent paper 
Now, this paper was published by Ogden in the journal PLOS One in 2020, and it's entitled The Passage of Time During the UK COVID-19 Lockdown. Oh. Mm. So, as people are very aware, the UK went into its first large lockdown in March 2020, and as we all know, this involves significant and unprecedented levels of social and physical distancing. And like the lockdowns most of us have experienced, this one involved staying at home unless one was doing essential shopping, they were allowed one bout of exercise outside per day, they could leave for medical or emergency situations, including essential care of others, going to work only if classed as an essential worker, children were not attending school and people had to maintain physical distances when not with members of their household. I'm sure everyone's very familiar with the situation that is lockdown. So this study was looking at how time was perceived during this lockdown. And I wanted to read a great quote from the paper, which is that, objectively, time passes at a constant linear rate. Subjectively, however, our experience of time is influenced by the activities that we perform and the emotions that we experience. So I thought that was a nice quote and that really summarises well what Alina has described as well. And the author points out that most of the research involving time perception has been done in the lab, like the study Alina outlined. So this is an important extension into the real world. And as we all know, COVID-related lockdowns have had a profound impact on our mental well-being, our cognitive load, and very much so our emotional state. Therefore, we can see how this may progress to affecting our feeling of the passage of time. So in this study, the author was interested in whether there was a change in perception in how time passed during lockdown, and if so, what factors may be associated with any change. So they had 604 participants, all from the UK. They did an online questionnaire while they were in lockdown. This was advertised through email and social media. The participants had experienced between two weeks and one month of lockdown, depending on when they completed the questionnaire. They were asked two different questions, and these are all around assessing the subjective judgment of time. So the first question was, thinking about today, how quickly has time felt like it is passing in comparison with normal, that is, before lockdown? Okay. So being asked very specifically about a particular day. Secondly, thinking about this week, how quickly has time felt like it was passing in comparison to normal? Okay. So coming at it from the daily and weekly perspective. Yes. So then participants rated their perception on a scale of one to seven, so one being extremely slow and seven being extremely fast. So given the factors that Alina mentioned earlier and given that we know that they can interact with our feelings of time, the author also collected data around demographics like age, gender, employment status, how many people the participants lived with, They also assessed their emotional state, so they did this by measuring levels of depression and also anxiety and stress, and specifically asked whether they knew they were at high risk of COVID-19. There was a separate measure to establish their level of busyness as a proxy for cognitive load. And participants were asked three other questions. So firstly, how satisfied they were with their level of social interaction. They were asked about their physical activity levels and whether their routine had changed a lot due to lockdown. Okay, interesting. All right, so perhaps not that surprising, distortion and changes in perception of time were very common. 
Only 19% of participants felt that time was passing normally on that measure around day and only 13% felt time was passing normally around the measure for week. Right. But here's where it gets interesting. 40% of participants felt that time passed more slowly, whereas 41% felt that time passed more quickly. Oh, I wasn't Mm. expecting that, to be honest. Well, yeah, it's interesting. This is what it's all about. It's very... It's about individual differences and circumstances. It's complex, right? It's complicated. So tell us how. So, well, yeah, so I'll just point out that those two um, measures were around that measure of day, but there were very similar results when participants were being asked about week. And the results were statistically significant, so that means that random chance is not explaining what is being observed here. Something is actually going on and leading to this. And... I can really relate to this upon reflection because I can remember that the early phases of lockdown in March 2020 for me did go really slowly. Those days did feel very long and there really wasn't much that we could do at that point. And I can remember clicking refresh on the news and just waiting for updates on press conferences. Yes. But when we started having to homeschool, which was a few weeks later, those days went by incredibly quickly and that's where I was getting super stressed <laughs> under yeah. a lot of time pressure. Yeah. I've got to keep up with school tasks. I've got to keep up with work. And I'm also trying to monitor the unfolding local and global situation. Yes, of course. So I actually could relate to this. You had a bit on. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bit. And then I decided, oh, why don't I start a whole new blog? Do you remember that? Yes, you did. <laughs> I did. That's a great I remember blog, you saying, incidentally. How do you have time for this? <laughs> Plugging the blog. <laughs> Well, I remember you saying, how do you have time for this? I'm like, I don't even know. (laughs) It was, Um, you just said it, you had a strong sense of civic duty. You wanted to help. I did. I did. You're good on you. So, yes. So what about those other factors that I mentioned? So did anything uh, link up with these results? So there was a significant effect of age where older adults, so they were adults over 60 years of age, they experienced time passing more slowly than those of middle age. And emotional state also predicted the experience of time, where time felt slower for those who were more depressed, more stressed, or were less satisfied with their social life. On the other hand, being satisfied with the amount of social interaction led to time feeling faster. In general, a smaller task load was associated with a slower passage of time. So having less to do was associated with time feeling slower, whereas having more to do was associated with feeling more stimulated and time felt faster. The other factors that were measured did not seem to relate to the passage of time judgments. So these were things like occupation, the number of people the participants lived with, their perceived risk of COVID-19, their level of physical activity and the extent to which daily life had changed due to the lockdown. So to sum up... The main takeaways are that time was most certainly distorted for most participants, but it was not always distorted in the same direction. For some, it went faster, while for others, it went slower. So this shows that the same event, lockdown, can lead to different effects in different people, which really proves the point that time perception is indeed very complex and very nuanced. Janine, did they say in the study whether perception of time for each individual changed as the pandemic progressed? No, they have just done this at one time point. 
So I've asked these questions once. Yes. Okay. So that would be a great thing to do. It would is be. To follow yes. Up it would be interesting as well, as you said. Yes. It changed for you as things. It definitely did as things moved along. So like I said at the start, there are lots of things that affect time perception. And Janine, this real life, I guess, study shows how complex time perception is and Mm. shows it in the context of a pandemic. Super interesting. And I'll just point out, of course, that lockdowns are one very important tool in reducing virus transmission. From a public health standpoint, lockdowns are a great thing and very effective. Mm -hmm just like vaccination. But of course, we need to acknowledge the huge psychological and emotional burden, not to mention the financial Mm. burden that comes with lockdowns, especially extended lockdowns. And we can see here that part of that is what influences people's perception of time. That's right. Yeah. And we absolutely recognise the profound impact that these lockdowns are having on people's health and wellbeing. I guess my thoughts are that if you are in a lockdown and you may be feeling like time is really dragging on, one option may be to intentionally make plans, keep yourself as busy as you can, even if you're doing lots of activities at home or virtual activities. Make plans to catch up with friends via phone or digitally. And also, I think this study really emphasises the importance of trying to touch base with anyone you know in the over 60 bracket, as they did seem to experience that slowing down of time much more so than younger people. Yes, good point. But the author does point out that, you know, you could make yourself so busy that you become stressed and that would lead to a negative emotional state and this could cause time to slow down overall. So really need to try and find the sweet spot, right? Mm, Find that sweet spot. Yeah, and and I guess we can get a bit meta about it all because maybe if time's slowing down in some context, that might be quite a pleasurable feeling if you've come from a time of being hectically busy. I completely identify with that. (laughs) I really do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. All right, Janine, shall we do an inner square? It's that time again. Alina, what brought out your inner square recently? Well, this is something that maybe if you are looking to pass time, you might you might want to do this little activity. I okay. recently came across a paper mm-hmm. looking at the manufacturing of poo knives. What? <laughs> So this is this is back from 2019. It's been on my list for a little while, but other things have taken over. But here okay. we are. So I have a few questions, but continue. Yes. <laughs> Warning to anyone who may be eating, you may want to stop that for this inner square. So this paper was led by Metan Erin and authors from the USA. Mm-hmm. And the background of this paper is that there is a written account of an Inuit man having used mm-hmm. his own frozen feces to kill and dismember a dog. He then supposedly used the dog's rib cage as a sled. Okay. <laughs> Here's exactly what it says in this <laughs> account is there is a well-known account of an old Inuit man who refused to move into a settlement. Over the objections of his family, he made plans to stay on the ice. To stop him, they took away all of his tools. So, in the midst of a winter gale, he stepped out of the igloo, defecated, and honed the feces into a frozen blade, which he sharpened with a spray of saliva. With the knife, he killed a dog. Using its ribcage as a sled and its hide to harness another dog, he disappeared into the darkness. Okay. 
So this so is where from is a, this story from? <laughs> it's from <laughs> Question a book. number one. <laughs> this is from a book by Wade okay. Davis, PhD, who studied, I think, ethnobotany. Okay. And the book is called Shadows in the Sun Travels to Landscapes of Spirit and Desire. Okay, so is this? But we're not talking him? about we're not talking about that book. What <laughs> I I'm have talking so many about questions. Is, so Metton and colleagues, I suppose, questioned the feasibility <laughs> of using frozen human feces as a knife. So they tested it out with their own feces. No. Yes, the feces of the lead author and another author as well. I guess you wouldn't want to touch anyone else's feces. If you're going to touch feces, (laughs) you probably don't want to touch anyone's but your own. Spoken like a true scientist. (laughs) So, yes, the feces of the lead author and another author as well. They made poo knives (laughs) with ceramic moulds and by moulding them with their hands, so two different types of knives... And then they froze them. Then they got pig hide, muscle and tendons because they weren't going to use a dog. Okay. And lo and behold, the poo knives did not work. (laughs) Myth busted. So squares and listeners, if you're wondering whether if you had it on your to-do list (laughs) to manufacture some knives out of frozen poo, this is a highly <laughs> controlled experiment with evidence to say them knives won't work. <laughs> and I love this. So in the paper, they put this very eloquently. It says, despite the hide being cold from refrigeration, instead of slicing <laughs> through it, the knife edge simply melted upon contact, <laughs> leaving streaks of fecal matter. See <laughs> <C> figure. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, no. And there are various photos of this experiment in a separate supplementary file. I'm just going to have to go and look at that after this, Do you think I went and had a look at it, Janine? Of course you did. Absolutely, I had to see it. (laughs) So I'm very pleased to say, listeners, that this paper is all open access to the public. So anyone can go and check this out and we will add all of the links in the show notes for today's episode. Well, look, okay, I have a few questions. (laughs) Fire away. Look, one question is, well, that image you just painted for us, that seems Mm. like a pivotal image to include in the paper. Why is it in the supplementary material? That's my first question. Oh, we'll have to follow this up with the authors potentially. (laughs) (laughs) My second question is, where did they get funding for this research? (laughs) I'm I'm quite interested in that because, you know, getting funding for science is really hard. So I'm interested to know, although having said that, it's probably not all that expensive You've got all the materials you require within your own body. <laughs> what do they need? Some moulds and a freezer, I guess. Or they needed to get yes, the intestines. It's intestine not a costly things. experiment. I don't think it's that expensive. Yeah, okay. It's not okay. a costly experiment. Look, I think it's really important. <laughs> we there, you have it. Okay, we now have evidence that knives made from frozen human feces do not work. Thank you, science. All right. Good to know. Good to know. And Thank congratulations you. to this team. I mean, really. Especially to the authors who donated their poo to this cause <laughs> and have now published images of their poo on the internet. <laughs> Janine, you and I have published many papers in our fields, but what they have done just <laughs> is a truly unique scientific legacy of which yes. we are falling short. <laughs> you and I. Look, the highlights of this time. paper is my favourite. This is the highlights. It says... An ethnographic account states an Inuit man made a knife from his own frozen feces. 
We experimentally tested knives manufactured from frozen human feces. <laughs> knives manufactured from frozen human feces do not work. <laughs> Lay summary. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, well, look, there you go. That's a very clearly set up the reason why we did this experiment and the findings. But it's a wonderfully written paper. Well done okay. to the authors. I look forward to checking that out as soon as we finish this episode. That's great. Can um, you top it? I think I might be able to top it, actually. Ooh. So, Well, let's see. So, look, I was recently reminded of a video. Now, it's, it's not new. I feel like this could even be up to 10 years old. I should have checked the age of it, but... It was first brought to my attention from the website IFL Science, if anyone's <laughs> familiar with that one. Very good yes. one to follow. Do people yeah, need I'm to gonna, know what IFL... Oh, I'm not going to read it out. I'm not going to state what that is. It's okay, we'll beep any... it out. I f- love science. <laughs> yes. Now, look, the, the article that they published was highlighting this video and the article was called This Video Will Make You Reevaluate Your Entire Existence. <laughs> oh, now, look, one's going to click on that link, aren't they? Well, you are. <laughs> well, yeah. And I've watched it so many times since. I, I kind of pull it out semi-regularly. It's from a YouTube channel by the producer Morn1415. It's had 17 million views, so some people may have already seen it. Alina, I know I've shared it with you. I know You've shared it's, it with me. You'll look, have to be more specific. <laughs> the video is comparing the size of different celestial objects. So it starts with the moon and then it goes through the solar system. And I'll just leave it oh, there because yeah, I really... I know this video. Yes. I really, really... You just need to see it. Yes, I, I'm I not going to do it any justice. I have seen it. Um, you know, I think... I'm pulling it up now. I remember this. What, what I'm going to say is that if you're needing some perspective in life, I think it's a really good video to watch, but I will just give a word of caution. It may or may not help you feel better about things. I Yesterday was reminiscing over this and I went and found some of the comments in the YouTube channel. So the, the first ones were quite funny. So oh, hang whoa. on a minute. I'm just looking at it now. So... Okay. How big are the objects floating in our universe? Mm. Oh, I don't think we should right. give it, it away. It has the terrifying music. It does have terrifying music. So, so it starts with Earth, Moon, moving to Mercury, moving to Mars. Yeah, I don't Again, think we want to give it away. I think we want people to go watch this. All right. It's, well, I, I do remember this. Look, these are some of the comments. Whoa, I remember watching this exact video in middle school and having my first existential crisis. And I can really relate to that comment, Alina. <laughs> yeah, I'm at Jupiter now. <laughs> okay, no, this is where I can't handle it. It's at the sun and then it moves to the stars and this is where just cognitively I just switch off. <laughs> Brain closed for maintenance, not allowing any more information in because it's too much. Well, here's another quote. I remember my teacher showing this video to us when I was in second grade and being completely scared out of my goddamn mind. <laughs> yes. So, you know, oh, I think we'll just leave it at this, Alina. I think everyone should go and watch this video. If you need um, some perspective, this is a but, good video to watch. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we should just leave it there. So. Or it may be completely terrifying and you <laughs> might find yourself in the fetal position on your bed for the rest of the day. <laughs> I think the worth the gamble. The first time I ever watched it, I found it quite confronting. Now when I watch it, I do find it strangely comforting. So I'm I'm really interested to hear from people of what they think. So Well, especially the ending. The ending really gives you some perspective. 
what you are in the grand scheme of our universe. Mm. Yeah, and it reminds me of if you've listened to Judith Lucy's podcast called Overwhelmed and Dying, which Not sponsored. Is, is very interesting <laughs> and funny. <laughs> and she interviews Tim Winton, the Australian author, and he describes humans as cosmic dandruff, which really <laughs> stuck with me. <laughs> we are. And not even like the big chunky type, the really tiny dandruff dust. Imperceptible stuff. <laughs> yes. Wow. So, you know, I think we should leave it there, Alina. Uh, yeah, and just reiterate, sorry if you were eating because we ended up talking about poo and dandruff. So <laughs> I think we should end it there because this is really deteriorating now. <laughs> My brain is, I can't think anymore after seeing just half of that video. I'm out. All right. We need to go. Enough of this episode. Thanks, everyone. Oh, hang on, do the website plug. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Details of everything we've talked about will be up on sisterdoctorsquared.com. Please do follow us on Twitter and we're also now on Instagram. And, yeah, definitely let us know, did you find this video helpful or unhelpful? I really do want to know. Yes, or inspiring or utterly horrifying. (laughs) Alrighty, have fun, squares. Bye for now. 